Hola everyone! Welcome to the Encourage to Try podcast. My name is Mia and I will be the one to lovingly encourage you to try and continue on the journey of trying. This podcast is for those who are trying whether at work, school, relationships, faith, fitness, business, basically figuring out life. So tune in to the podcast as we talk about these topics and encourage one another to try together. Also, if you are interested in the episode show notes, or if you just want to leave feedback, questions, suggested topics, the links are found in the episode description. So please do check it out. Hola everyone! Welcome to the second episode of the podcast. For this episode, we will be learning how to cope during the pandemic. So I'd like to acknowledge, first and foremost, that we are currently living in a time that has a lot of pain, hardships, being distant with our loved ones, and people losing their jobs and businesses. This pandemic affected a sudden shift of our way of life that no amount of imagination or understanding is able to grasp in such a short period of time. However, it doesn't mean that it has to end there, or that we are to settle to the situation at hand. In this episode, that is exactly what we will be talking about. This episode is not a one-size-fits-all type of solution, but this is a small way for me to encourage people through sharing the things that I learned and continue to learn to help others gain practical tips through the podcast. With all of that said, let's dive into the episode. So the first thing that you should learn when it comes to coping with the pandemic is acceptance. So there are two things that I want to discuss in this first point. The first one is acceptance of the current situation. And secondly, acceptance of your current state. I want to emphasize with each person that acceptance is not an easy thing to do because it acknowledges all aspects of our life, even the unpleasant ones. It is easier to ignore the discomfort or issues because it has the tendency to hurt and overwhelm us. Acceptance is not about solving every issue all at once, but it is mainly knowing what we can change and letting go of what we cannot. Acceptance does not come from a place of weakness, admission of guilt, or defeat, but it does come from a place of strength. So the first thing is acceptance of the current situation. Clearly, there is a pandemic that immensely affected our way of life. It caused and continues to cause pain, hardship, and loss in our life. It has already been a year and counting when the pandemic started, and no one knows until when it will all end. Acceptance is not an overnight thing, nor does it come naturally to us. It is learned through our daily choice, acknowledging that what is happening around us is completely out of our control. The second thing is acceptance of your current state. The pandemic didn't just make an impact in our way of life, but to our overall well-being as well, such as uncertainty on when the pandemic will end, when are we able to see or will we ever get to see our loved ones, the struggle of staying indoors or in one place for so long, unable to travel or even go to the grocery without the fear of catching COVID, unable to socialize normally through physical presence, You might have just lost your job or business and you don't know where to get the money to pay your day-to-day expenses. 
these experiences are not easy to go through and I want you to know that you are not alone. Everyone is struggling, including myself. I also want you to know that it is okay to not feel okay. You're only human after all. Humans are emotional creatures. Therefore, we are naturally meant to have and feel emotions. However, I'm not saying that you should feel all of your emotions and not move on from them. It is actually the complete opposite of it. The goal is to acknowledge your emotions. Take responsibility for it through acceptance and think about how you can move past it and make yourself better. The goal is not to eliminate struggle or pain because that is unrealistic. Struggles are part of life because we live in an imperfect and broken world. Just like what Charles Swindoll quoted, Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% is how I react to it. Now we know the two things about acceptance. Now you're wondering, how can we put acceptance into practice? It helps when you express all the things that you're feeling, not necessarily in social media, but you could write it down in a piece of paper. Or if you are one of those who doesn't like to write, you can use the notepad app in your phone or use your voice recorder or voice memo. Anything that can help you unload what you're feeling. At these particular moments, remember to be completely honest with yourself. Describe exactly what you're feeling. Like how fearful you are, how painful it is, how heavy the feeling is, and why you are feeling that way. Again, you don't have to have a solution right away for what you are feeling, but you are simply allowing yourself to feel. I want to share my experience about acceptance and how I learned it the hard way. I was still in the corporate world when the pandemic started. Our office informed us that we will be working from home for two weeks due to the fast-spreading virus. I had the impression that work will be more convenient because I didn't have to deal with the hassle of commuting. And in two weeks' time, we will again be in the office and everything will be back to normal. But apparently, the virus had different plans. Two weeks became one month, one month became two months, two months became six months, then a year. And the virus is still present until today. During the first months of lockdown, I experienced a lot of difficulty in terms of insomnia, depression, anxiety, and dealing with cabin fever. And while all of this is going on, the workload became unbearable. It took me about six to seven months to realize the mental stress just kept piling up even when I was praying and spending time with God. After much reflection, I soon realized that my expectation was not in line with reality. I was expecting and hoping that everything will be back to normal right away. To cope with this realization, I started to explore on how I can deal with the heaviness. Writing was my go-to outlet as it helped me put into words all the things that I was feeling. And it helped me reflect and process properly because I can see all of the things that I was feeling on paper. I'm not saying that I no longer have bad days. I still do because that is part of life. But what changed was now I'm able to make the most of the situation. The pandemic is actually a blessing in disguise when I took the path of acceptance. Because through the hardship, God revealed a lot of things that I needed to improve on. Fast forward to today, the story I shared with you is actually what made me start the podcast. Not so I can say that I'm a podcaster, but to say that to the people who are listening to this podcast right now that you're not alone. And I'm here to help. 
I know it sounds cheesy, but you get the idea. So after acceptance, the second thing that we also need to learn in order for us to cope during the pandemic is having a self-care routine. We all know about skincare routine, but how about self-care routine? You may be wondering, what does self-care mean? And why is it important? As one article quotes, self-care describes a conscious act one takes in order to promote their own physical, mental, and emotional health. Self-care is not a luxury as others view it, nor is it only applicable to certain people. It is actually for everyone because it caters to the basic human needs. You can be the most accepting person in the world, but when you neglect your mind, your body, and your spirit, your efforts will not be as effective because your basic needs are not prioritized. Self-care consists of five things. Physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, and spiritual health. So we go to the first one, which is physical health. Does your diet or the food that you eat help nourish your body? I want to acknowledge that the price of food went up due to the pandemic and that healthy food is not cheap. I'm not saying that you should drastically change your diet right away, but adjust based on your circumstance and capability. You can make small and simple adjustments. The important thing here is to be mindful of what you feed your body. If you have the option, What is highly recommended is eating more fresh fruits and vegetables. Another option can also be done by lessening the snacks or food that is high in sugar or sodium. You can also try other healthy alternatives such as when you eat bread, instead of white bread, try wheat bread instead because wheat bread has more fiber which helps lessen overeating because it makes you feel full for a longer period of time. And it also helps with your digestive system. When it comes to cooking, try to steam your food rather than frying when you can. Because fried food consumed on a regular basis will lead to heart disease and obesity. For breakfast, instead of the usual sugary cereal, try oats with peanut butter. And also add fresh fruits to sweeten up your oats. For the coffee lovers out there, myself included, when drinking coffee... Try lessening the sugar or cream. Or if you can, try black coffee instead. The next question in terms of your physical health is, how much water do you consume on a daily basis? Again, it is all about being aware of what you consume. Are you aware of how much water you drink every day? If not, please do because our body needs it. Your organs need water in order to function properly. Even when we don't sweat, our body uses the water we have stored in our body. And considering that we are made up of 60 to 75% water, I can't emphasize it enough. We surely need to drink water. For this, what I do, when I wake up, I automatically drink one cup of water or more. What this does is your body is dehydrated because it still uses water while you sleep. And drinking water right away after waking up actually helps hydrate your body and at the same time, it improves your digestive system. For the rest of the day, when I work, I usually have 2-3 to liters of bottled water beside me that are easy to reach so that I won't forget to hydrate during a busy day. And I make sure to finish all of them at the end of the day. 
Another question about your physical health is, are you getting enough sleep or are you getting good quality sleep? Do you sleep at the right time and hours? Average sleep time for a normal adult is about 7 to 8 hours based on scientific studies, but this may vary depending on age range. Sleep is essential in recharging your body after a long hard day so that you will be ready to function properly for the next day. For the last question, are you getting enough exercise or how often do you exercise? Exercise can be a daunting task to do, but your body will thank you later. It is understandable that we all have work or activities that we need to do on a daily basis, but your body is built to move. Studies show that exercising can also help reduce stress and improves many symptoms associated with mental illness. When you are new to working out or starting to work out, the duration is not as important because you have to first build the habit and discipline of doing it. When I started off, even when I used to be an athlete, I found it close to impossible for me to work out. I was a very lazy person, and my excuse was I don't have anyone to work out with or I didn't have any equipment to start with. However, my mindset shifted after I read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. With this new mindset, it helped me be more intentional about improving my health. Not only did I want to be healthier, but stronger as well. I made a commitment with myself and God that I will work out at least 3 to 4 times a week. The frequency can vary based on each person's capability or preference. This commitment was actually easier said than done because most days I had to drag myself to work out. At times, in order for me to keep the commitment, I just do it even when I don't feel like it. Even if it's just 5 minutes of simple hit, push-ups, crunches, anything that will help me stick to my goal, 5 minutes of workout is better than 0 minutes of workout. Another thing to remember is, when you are starting to work out, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the most expensive or complete equipment right away. In fact, when I started off, I didn't have any equipment since this is what gyms are for. But due to the lockdown, we are all forced to stay at home. So I turned to the most basic thing that I have, which is my body weight. I first started doing jumping jacks, lunges, push-ups, burpees, and many more. I stayed with the basics for months until the habit of working out was in place, before I added equipment that I need for my workout routine. This also helped me avoid any unnecessary purchase or clutter in my room. Since I'm a minimalist, too much stuff might hinder my productivity. Lastly, there are lots of free workout routines you can follow on YouTube or even apps you can download that can help you be consistent. But if you have the ability to spend, you can opt to seek professional trainers who are able to offer their services without having to meet them physically. Now we go to the second self-care routine, which is mental health. We are all familiar with different types of pollution, such as air pollution, noise pollution, water pollution, and even land pollution. But how about mind pollution? What are the things that you expose your mind to on a daily basis? What are the types of shows, content, or even conversation that you listen or surround yourself with? Do you binge on the news or Netflix drama shows all day every day? Do you engage in conversations about gossip? 
The main point of this line of questioning is not to make you feel bad, but to help you be more self-aware by asking yourself, in what I mentally expose myself to, does it help improve who I am today into a better person tomorrow? Everything starts with your mind. What you think about most will lead to what you feel. What you feel will lead to your words. Your words will turn into actions. Your actions will lead to your habits. And your habits will be your lifestyle. Aside from the external influence on your mental health, let us go deeper into your inner dialogue. What are the types of conversations that you have in your head? These are called your inner conversations. You might be thinking, why would I have a conversation with myself? Isn't that a bit crazy? To some, it comes naturally, but others find it unusual. However, it does benefit us deeply. Studies show that having internal conversations actually help you gain the ability in knowing yourself better. As what Emily Wilcox quoted, Chatting with your very self allows you to be more deliberate, more aware, granting you the time to process your thoughts and feelings and get to know who you are. In addition, studies also show that what you repeatedly say to yourself will help alter your thought pattern. So take a moment to reflect. Do you feel encouraged or discouraged after engaging with your inner discussions? In line with this, how do you talk to yourself? Talking to yourself is also known as self-talk. It can be through your thoughts or you can also voice it out. There are two types of self-talk. The first one is positive self-talk. Positive self-talk is about affirmations, encouragements, and supportive statements such as, I am created with a purpose. I am a work in progress. I am beautifully made. I can do this better next time. I just need to practice more. And the second one is negative self-talk. Negative self-talk is about degrading or disappointing statements. The side effect of this will likely lead you to experience depression or anxiety. As what Wendy Gold quoted, If we're talking to ourselves negatively, research suggests that we will more likely guide ourselves to a negative outcome. Examples are, I look so fat. Why can't I lose weight? I am so hopeless. It is impossible. I am a loser and a failure. Self-talk is essential because it influences how you feel about yourself and how you respond to the events in your life. Take a minute and evaluate how you talk to yourself all throughout the day. Is it affirming or critical? Is it beneficial or destructive? Write down or record the things you say about yourself. Think about it. Would you be able to say these things to a loved one or a dear friend? To put it in another way, if you do not let other people talk to you in a negative way, then why should you? How you talk and treat yourself will reflect how you will talk and treat other people. Just like what Brene Brown shared, talk to yourself like you would to someone you love. Being able to have a positive conversation takes time and practice. So don't be too hard on yourself. With how I take good care of my mental health, I take into account the things that I expose myself to. I ask myself three questions. How much time do I spend? How does it affect me? And how does it help me? 
Asking these questions makes me intentional not only with my attention, but with my time as well. Because we all have a limited amount of mental capacity and time every day. So might as well use it to our advantage. I'm not saying to remove all irrelevant things such as entertainment, but rather limit them. In the earlier days of lockdown, I would binge watch Netflix the whole day every day. But I soon realized that I was wasting precious time. I wasn't learning anything that would help me be better at all. I felt that my mind was more polluted than fed. Therefore, I changed this wasteful habit slowly by replacing it with more productive habits, such as reading books, listening to audiobooks, podcasts, things that are thought-provoking, more so based on my interests. I still watch Netflix from time to time, but no longer majority of the time. In terms of my inner dialogue, I admit that I tend to be my worst critic. When I was thinking of starting the podcast, my first thoughts were, I'm not good in writing and speaking. I don't like the sound of my voice. I'm not good enough. For as long as I can remember, I've always allowed these negative self-talk to rob me of the things that I could have done. I soon realized through the word of God that we are all created with a purpose. As what Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. It was clear that God wanted me to start a podcast to not only develop my skills but to be able to be a blessing to others as well. Instead of listening to my usual inner critic, I chose to believe and listen to God's affirming words. And slowly, things started to change. Not only my mindset but my life as well. Even when I do not know everything, instead of punishing myself, I now tell myself that I am a work in progress. I am created with a purpose. I am called to make a difference in the world, and I have a God who loves me dearly. This assurance gives me all the safe space I need to allow myself to make mistakes and learn from them. Because at the end of the day, I'm just human. What matters is I continue to live the life that God has given me based on His will and make the most out of it. In addition, your life does not only affect you, but others as well. When you are patient and loving with yourself, you will be the same with others. So be careful what you feed your mind and how you talk to yourself. Now we go to the third self-care routine, and this is your emotional health. Do you have a healthy way in processing your emotion? Does your emotion control you or you control it? Lack of emotional control can show up as impulses. Examples are uncontrollable urge to shop online of what you do not need and you don't know why. Emotional eating, justifying it as if I get this or if I eat this, I would feel better. If you are led by your emotions, you obviously lack self-control or self-discipline. And this will cause more problems in your life in the long run. In Proverbs 25.28 which says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Back when I was not taking good care of my emotional health, I used to let my emotion control me. Whenever I'm happy, sad, or angry, I always go to my instant gratification routine such as binge eating, shopping for shoes that I don't need, or even going out for no apparent reason, which I soon realized that it was my way of trying to escape from my emotional problems 
rather than facing them and dealing with the root cause. This unhealthy routine cost me not only money, but time and unnecessary pain as well. Suppressing or ignoring our emotion can be detrimental to us because we are not allowing ourselves to deal with it in a healthy way. Now with the help of God and with my trusted circle, I learned to give myself time and space to feel my emotions even when it was uncomfortable. I no longer suppress my emotions but express it through prayer by confessing that I am limited in my ability and that I need God's help because I cannot do it alone. I also seek His wisdom and leading to what He wants me to learn through the difficult time. Aside from this, I also write, work out, or even talk to my trusted circle to help me process my emotions. By doing this, it helped me to be more stable emotionally. Instead of being swayed by my emotions, I now take charge of it. And what's better, I am able to use it in a productive way by sharing the things I have reflected on in the podcast. Emotions can be very dangerous if left unchecked. With that said, if you let your emotions dictate your life, you will have a hard time dealing with the challenges and stress that life comes at you. Remember that our emotions change. They are not facts. So after the emotional health, now we go to the fourth self-care routine, which is your social health. So what are you doing to nurture your relationships with friends, family, or significant other? An article describes, There isn't a certain number of hours you should devote to your relationships. Everyone has slightly different social needs. The key is to figure out what your social needs are and to build enough time in your schedule to create an optimal social life. The reason why this is important is because we are social creatures. We are not meant to be in isolation. The next question is, do you have a trusted support group? This could be your church community, your Bible study group. You can also have a trusted circle with your family or even your friends. So what's the importance of this? Considering that life is hard, we cannot do it alone. We need others to help us, encourage us, help us grow, and give us feedback for points of improvement. Just like in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Surround yourself with the people you trust and has your best interests at heart. Those that bring life to you, that again encourages you, who lovingly pushes you to improve to be better. Those who inspire and motivate you to do better. Those who really know you and calls you out when you are not being responsible with your actions or choices. Even when I'm an introvert, I still need to socialize. It is part of taking care of myself. Aside from spending time with God, He also wants me to be part of a community that will help me grow. Example of this in my life is I have a one-to-one mentorship session with my D-group leader. We have it once every two weeks. We talk about important things in life, especially challenging ones. To put it simply, the mentorship session is like a mirror being placed in front of me to see what I need to improve on in my life and character. Aside from the one-on-one, I also attend a weekly small group Bible study which consists of fellow sisters in Christ with different backgrounds and different walks of life. In this group, we not only talk about or study the Word of God, 
but we also apply it in our day-to-day life. Of course, even when we are Christians, we are, after all, a work in progress, which means there are still misunderstandings and disagreements in the group, but in a way, it's a good training ground for us to build our character because we know at the end of the day, our desire is to encourage one another to grow and to glorify God in each of our own lives. I also allot time to catch up with friends via Zoom to ask how they are, what they have been up to, and at the same time showing that support for one another. At the end of the day, the company that you keep is who you will become, so choose wisely. The last self-care routine is spiritual health. So what does spiritual health mean? Spiritual health refers to possessing meaning plus purpose in life, having a clear sense of beliefs, and living in accordance to your values, morals, and ethics. Essentially, it means understanding and having a clear definition of what is right and wrong, then living according to this understanding. I nurture my spiritual health by spending time with God first thing in the morning after waking up, reading my daily devotion, studying His Word, and praying. This time with Him allows me to feed my soul with intentionality, strength, and wisdom that I need in order to face the day-to-day challenges. In line with this, one of the major things that he is teaching me right now is in the aspect of thankfulness. Due to the negative effect that the pandemic has brought, yes, it is easy to focus on the pain and problems rather than being thankful. However, God lovingly reminds me each day that he is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Even during challenging times such as this, he continues to provide our basic needs and I am able to focus on my purpose due to the intimacy that I have with him by being at home majority of the time. More so with the Wi-Fi connection, even when we are practicing social distance, I am still able to connect and talk to people. These are just some of the things that I used to overlook before, but due to the shift of attitude, it helped me utilize the things that I have. And this actually led me to want to share the blessings that I have to bless and encourage others through any means possible, whether through the podcast, heart-to-heart conversations via Zoom, or helping others with their tasks with the skills that I learned during this pandemic. Of course, due to life's busyness and hardships, these routines that are mentioned can sometimes be pushed to the side, but for as long as it is intentionally prioritized, it is possible. Prioritizing self-care is essential in our day-to-day life. However, it is not our end goal. Our end goal is how are we able to make the world a better place. Prioritizing self is all about being able to give and help others. Because how are you able to give what you don't have? The last and final point is, I am responsible. As long as I can remember... I have been told by my parents and other people who are older than me to be responsible, whether at school, during trainings, chores, and many more. But I never was able to really understand what it means. So in this third and last point, that is exactly what we are going to talk about. So the definition of the word responsible is to have control and authority over something or someone in the duty of taking care of it. 
basically it pertains to the things that you have control over. So what is the importance and value of being responsible? One article quotes, To understand why responsibility is important, think about what life would be like if people don't act responsibly. If no one does what they say they will do, how can anyone trust each other? If no one is responsible about cleaning up after themselves, how could we live in a healthy environment? If parents aren't responsible for their kids, and kids aren't responsible with their chores or homework, what would happen? All of us in society need to act with responsibility if we want to live safely together. This truth is also found in Luke 16.10 which says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Meaning, the value of being responsible is you will be dependable, trustworthy, and reliable. Therefore, you will be entrusted with more opportunities and blessings which can show up in different shape, form, or size. So now you're wondering, how can being responsible relate to learning how to cope during the pandemic? Considering we live in a broken and fallen world, pain, problems, and anything negative is inevitable. That is the reality. It is not a matter of if bad things will happen, but a matter of when they will happen. Better to have a plan on how you're able to prepare yourself as early as you can. Just like what Benjamin Franklin quotes, If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. This is also found in Galatians 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Life is all about consequences, both good or bad. Although there will be times that things will not go as we expect them to be, especially on the things that we have no control over, such as the pandemic, how other people react and live their life. Which is why being responsible is not an easy thing to do. That is why others try to avoid it. However, there are things that do happen as expected when you do it right and at the same time if it's based on truth. Such as when you do work out, when you eat properly, you will not only have a stronger body but a healthier one as well. And at the same time, when you educate yourself, when you learn self-improvements, you will also have improvement on your mental capacity and many more. So now we know about being responsible. So how can we apply it? It takes action. A lot of it. Things will only happen when you do your part. It shows up at how we take care of ourselves with the things mentioned earlier about self-care, how we take care of other people who are in need, especially our family, accepting the consequences of our actions, meaning you don't justify, you don't make excuses nor blame others, especially when you make a mistake. The reason why we should take responsibility in not repeating our mistakes because it keeps us from any unnecessary pain or problems. And at the same time, each mistake that we do doesn't only affect us, but other people as well. I'm not saying that we should not make mistakes, but allow yourself to learn and do better next time. People who are responsible take charge of their lives. They make plans and set goals for nurturing their talents and skills. They are resilient in finding ways to overcome adversity. 
They make decisions taking into account obligations to family and community, which means they do not allow themselves to be victims, but rather victors in each situation they face. There is a story found in the Bible about being responsible, and he is known as Joseph the Dreamer. This man was bullied by his brothers, sold into slavery, and imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. Even when all these things happened to him, he never blamed anyone. He was responsible for everything he did during those difficult times. From when he was a slave to a prisoner, and eventually, due to God's help, Joseph became second in command to the most powerful person in Egypt during that time. Joseph lived a very purposeful life because he was responsible for the abilities and experiences God has given him, regardless of the circumstances. So the moral lesson of the story is, determine the things you have control over. Being responsible is not an overnight thing. Your ability to be responsible will start in small things, such as making your bed after you wake up, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, washing the dishes, cleaning your room, and many more. Then when you can be trusted with the small things that you've been given, you're able to handle bigger responsibilities. Just like what happened to Joseph. God didn't place him immediately to a powerful position right away, even when God can do that. But God was more concerned about Joseph's character. So he had to be developed over the years through various testing for him to be able to handle bigger and more responsibilities. Now imagine if Joseph allowed himself to be a victim. All of the things that happened in his life, he blamed it on other people. He might have missed his greatest purpose in his life. Now think about it. How are you using the time and treasure and talents you have been given? So just to share with you, Learning how to be responsible was something that I had to learn the hard way. Growing up, I have always been told to be responsible both at home and in school, but never was I properly trained to be responsible. Things have always been decided and provided for me, so I didn't know that I had a say in my life and that I should be able to decide for myself. I was always protected and justified from the consequences of my actions, so I wasn't aware that each choice I make has a consequence. Don't get me wrong, I'm extremely grateful for God's provisions. However, this crippled me a lot growing up. I soon learned these concepts in my early stages in college and corporate life. I entered into toxic relationships, fake friendships, got into minor car accidents, became the most entitled and irresponsible person in the world, basically living life carelessly. This all changed when I fell into a deep depression, having severe anxiety, and had major suicidal tendencies. This lowly experience helped me turn to God. Things started to change, not instantly, but slowly. It actually took me years to learn that I needed to be responsible and I learned how to be responsible. It helped me gain a sense of purpose and power over my life that I never thought possible. When I started to focus on my relationship with God and how He created me to be, which is to be responsible with what He has given me, things started falling into place. 
I am still a work in progress on being responsible, but I am proud to say that I am much more aware and in control now as I did before. Responsibility brings a sense of security, confidence, and stability in what God has given me to be a blessing to others. I thought that my pain in the past was useless and irrelevant, but when I surrendered everything to God who is able to redeem, He makes the impossible possible. I am able to share my stories with you with the hopes that you wouldn't repeat the mistakes I made and that when you trust a God who loves you and has a purpose for you, it is never too late to learn. So to summarize everything that we've talked about from learning how to cope with the pandemic with first really accepting the situation in your current state with having a good self-care routine and lastly being responsible for your life for your choices even when we are experiencing a difficult time such as this pandemic where we don't have control over a lot of things for as long as we take responsibility for what we have control over you don't need to simply cope during the challenging times but you can also thrive from it Thank you for your time and listening to this episode, and I hope you gained a lot of insight from it. If you find this podcast helpful, please do share it with your friends, colleagues, or even your loved ones. Again, if you are interested in the episode show notes, or if you just want to leave feedback, questions, suggested topics, the links are found in the episode description. You can also send a direct message through the podcast Instagram account at Encouraged to Try with Mia. See you on the next episode. Bye!